The Tiger Tamer Who Went to Sea from History Extra charts the life of a remarkable Victorian, Britain's original long-distance wheelbarrow pedestrian. New episodes are out every Thursday or listen to the whole series immediately ad-free by subscribing to History Extra Plus on Apple Podcasts or listening on historyextra.com. Welcome to the History Extra podcast from BBC History Magazine, Britain's best-selling history magazine. Hello and welcome to History's Greatest Mysteries. I'm Rob Attar, the editor of BBC History Magazine. This is episode two of this series, and today we'll be heading back almost 2,000 years and exploring one of the most puzzling events from Roman history, the disappearance of the Ninth Legion. The last record of this elite army unit is in northern England in the early 2nd century AD, after which it simply vanished. Since then, numerous theories have been put forward by historians, novelists and filmmakers, and to pick through those, I was joined by Miles Russell, a senior lecturer in prehistoric and Roman archaeology based at Bournemouth University. I began by asking him to explain the history of the Legion prior to its disappearance. The Ninth Legion is one of uh, roughly on average about 30 uh, elite army units in the Roman Empire uh, throughout the late 1st century BC and 1st century AD. The Roman army is quite unusual in that it has two grades of soldier. You've got the legionaries, who are the ones which you always see on TV and film today. You know, they're the ones with the the plate armour, which are really quite distinctive. And they're, they're basically citizens. They've got the full rights of citizenship in the Roman Empire. Um, they can own land and property and, and, and so on. They're protected by the law. And they've very well paid, very well trained. They're serving in the Roman Legion for 25 years and they represent the first professional fighting force of the ancient world because pretty much everyone else that the Romans come up against are farmers or they're sort of mercenaries, but they're not trained and disciplined and equipped the same way that the legions are. So the Roman Legion in battle, in really from the 2nd and 1st centuries BC, are invincible. Um, no... It, you, you can ambush them, you can surprise and attack them, but in battle, the way they form up, the way they fight, the way they're disciplined, uh, they, they just cannot be beaten. And they're the primary force in taking most of Western and Northwestern Europe uh, in, in the late first century BC. But they're also the builders and creators of empire. So in provinces like France, ancient Gaul or, or Germany or Britain, they're building roads, they're building forts and towns and they're creating the infrastructure of government. And the second element of the Roman military are the auxiliaries are, are recruited from the provinces. They are uh, second rate, second grade soldiers, less well paid, less well armed. They're not citizens, but there's the sort of reward is after 25 years service, they become Roman citizens and they they, they can then own land and, 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 and so on. But they are often treated like cannon fodder they're thrown into battle situations because they're not roman citizens it doesn't matter how many of them die to put it rather crudely but the ninth is one of those 30 legions it comprises five and a half thousand men there's about 5,000 fighting men and that there's uh, officers and orderlies and sort of medical practitioners and, and a small detachment of cavalry but they're relatively mobile but they're infantry based 
So they can't charge around the battlefield. They can't charge from one end of the empire to the other. They're very slow moving, but they are an essential component of keeping peace. And especially as the empire spreads out across Europe uh, and around the Mediterranean. And all the legions have got their own distinctive number. And they often have a nickname, which is taken from perhaps the commanding officer who created them or the emperor under which they were formed or the place which they have fought best of all. Now, with the Ninth Legion, it has two separate histories. We know that it's certainly in existence by about 90 BC. Uh, We know that Julius Caesar, when he's campaigning in Gaul, uh, modern day France, and and slaughtering civilians across that territory, the Ninth is one of those units that are fighting with him. And they may have come to Britain in 55 and 54 BC when Julius Caesar uh, was the first Roman to to invade and, and then retreat from Britain. Caesar disbanded them, um, perhaps as a reward for good service. You know, you go go to your farms. Your your military days are done. But his successor, Augustus, uh, sort of re-recruited them, um, brought the veterans back. They served in Spain, fighting the northern Spanish tribes, and that's where they get their nickname, Hispana, because of the good service that they did in Spain. Uh, lots of people think that the Spanish element of their name perhaps comes from the fact they were recruited from Spain, but they weren't. That's where they fought. That's where they did their hard ones of uh, battle honours. And from that point onwards, they moved to the Danube frontier on sort of, where Austria and Hungary meet. Um, And that's where they are in AD 43, when the Emperor Claudius decides that he wants to acquire Britain. He wants to make Britain part of the empire as well. And they're one of four legions that are sent to Britain to defeat the British tribes and make the province of Britannia into a functioning territory of the Roman world. And what is the last surviving evidence that we have for the legion's existence? Well, the ninth, I mean, it's it's very unusual um, because for a legion to disappear completely because a legion being destroyed in battle is a a cataclysmic event. Uh, We know in AD 9, when three legions are lost uh, fighting to the north of the Rhine, it's a a massively traumatic event for Rome because this just doesn't happen. Barbarians don't defeat Roman legionaries. And Augustus, emperor at the time, is absolutely devastated by this loss. So... To have a legion destroyed is is a major event, and it is usually you know, definitely recorded. The ninth disappear somewhere. The last recorded sighting of them is in AD one hundred seven. They are at that point. They are um, their major base is York uh, in in northern England. They've got a legionary fortress there. There's an inscription above the southeast gate that commemorates the rebuilding of that gate uh, under the Emperor Trajan, and the titles that are given is one hundred seven AD. And that's the last time that there's any recorded reference of them. They, they no longer mef- references in any kind of historical text. We've got no inscriptions of them. They just disappear. Uh, and about well, 15 years later, in, in the 120s AD, Emperor Hadrian brings a new legion into Britain, the 6th, who then take up residence in York. So it's quite clear the knights have, have gone. But the question is, were they destroyed? Uh, did they mutiny? in which case where they would have been punished and and disbanded, where they transferred to another part of the empire. We just don't know what happened to them. It's one of those sort of, uh, it's become one of those great mysteries, I guess, of of the the British past as to whether it was the Britons that destroyed them in battle, whether they they went, turned against Rome or or quite what happened to them. We just don't know. But at some point, five and a half thousand men disappear from the official records. And so I wonder if we could sort of dig into some of these theories a bit more. So, what, there are obviously 
different explanations as to what might have happened to them. So what what is the theory that kind of outlines them being destroyed in Britain? The the suggestion it was first made in the 1850s by a, a German historian, Theodore Mommsen, suggested that the ninth may have been annihilated in some kind of barbarian uprising in Britain. Um, and that's really what um, the, the author, Rosemary Sutcliffe, latched onto that. Her novel, The Eagle of the Ninth, which was published in 1954. I mean, it still is a bestseller today. It's, it's uh, I mean, I loved it as a child myself. I read it ridiculous numbers of times. But it, it's, uh, it's a fantastic novel that's uh, about this chap, Marcus Flavius Aquila, whose dad had been serving in the Ninth Legion. Uh, they were sent north of uh, Hadrian's Wall, north of the, the frontier, uh, to quell the tribes of Caledonia. They were destroyed never came back and he goes north to find out what happens to his father and to try and retrieve the eagle which is this this big emblematic image the bronze eagle that's carried into battle by by the standard bearer and uh, sort of spoiler alert he does find it and he brings it back and the basis for, for rosemary suckliffe's novel was the fact that a bronze eagle had been found at silchester uh, near basingstoke in hampshire in the 1860s and they thought at the time this could be a legionary eagle only one legion is known as bit having gone missing in britain therefore this is the eagle of the ninth and therefore she created this fantastic story of how it got to be in hampshire and i think the the, the issue is that that was such an emotive story um it's obviously a, a piece of fiction that archaeologists and historians since then have fought against that idea and thought well it's, it's ridiculous the britons were never that organized or that strong to destroy a legion if it had been wiped out in britain we would have had some kind of record of it uh, and anyway that eagle in silchester isn't from the army it perhaps it's part of a, a jupiter statue you get these big statues to the god jupiter and he often has the the eagle sitting next to him looking up at him rather sort of devotedly and that's possibly part of that sort of statue and it's got nothing to do with the ninth at all and i think in the decades after Sutcliffe's novel there's been a move against it a reaction saying no that's fiction we work with fact uh, and the suggestion is perhaps that a more perhaps um, benign version of the stories, the ninth were taken out of Britain and then were lost somewhere else. But um, the, the trouble is that there's no, no dramatic evidence. There's, there's no mass graves. There's no sign of forts being burnt. Um, so the evidence on the ground, certainly in Northern Britain, is that there's nothing clear cut that we're finding thousands of, of, of soldiers dead. There's no part of uh, Northern England that is forever Rome. You know, the, the the, the bodies aren't there. So archaeologically speaking, we just have a complete absence of evidence. But it's trying to find ways of interpreting that to say what could have happened. What are the flashpoints around the empire at that time? How could the ninth have disappeared? So although we don't, as you say, have any evidence necessarily of the ninth being destroyed in Scotland, is it plausible? Were things that bad north of the border that a legion could have been wiped out around this time? Things are always bad. I mean, Britain has a reputation for being one of the most troublesome provinces um, of, of the Roman world. I think the EU still think of that today. You know, it's that sense of it's it's difficult. There's a sort of island mentality, and uh, there is this real sort of sense of resistance to Rome in the south and east of Britain. You've got tribes and rulers who are trading with the Mediterranean for some time. They are essentially Romanized long before the Emperor Claudius invades in AD 43. Most of them probably viewed that being part of the Roman Empire was a good thing. In Northern Britain, in Western Britain, you go into Wales and, and Cornwall, there you've got tribes who've had no history of contact. 
They resent Rome. They see no benefit about being part of, of the Roman world. You've got mountainous terrain that Rome finds difficult to, to really conquer and deal with. And there the war drags out for generations. So I think for most Roman commanders, being sent to Britain was a good thing because you knew you were going to win honour and glory. But for the Roman government, it's a bit of a, a nightmare because... Yes, they're digging up the lead and the gold um, and the iron out of Britain. Yes, they're, they're getting all the sort of the tax from the population. Yes, they, they've got cereal crops coming in. But it just ties down so many soldiers for such a long period of time. Now, I suppose the key is that we know that just after the Ninth Legion's last sighting in Britain in, in 107 AD, there is some kind of unrest in the province. The Emperor Hadrian comes to power in 117 AD, and we're told by historians writing at that time that the Britons could not be kept under control. And there seems to be a serious issue in Britannia. And a later a Roman historian says, uh, at the time Hadrian comes to power, what great numbers of soldiers were killed by the Jews in the East, what great numbers were killed by the Britons. Now, the Jewish wars we know lots about because they're recorded in horrific detail, atrocities on both sides and and slaughters and burnings of towns. There's no contemporary literary source surviving for Britain. But the fact that Britain is compared with the wars in Judea suggests that something significant was happening here at the same time. It doesn't necessarily have to be north Britain, you know, north of uh, what becomes the Hadrian's frontier. But I think the suggestion is somewhere between York and London, there's a major disturbance. And we know that the Brigantes tribe, um, a tribe which are really in that northern part of Britannia, they're never really kept under Roman control. They are quite a a disparate society, quite scattered, no big centres of population, that fighting there takes a long period of time. And and the Fortress of York is established to try and quell and control them. So the fact that there are large numbers of soldiers being lost perhaps indirectly relates to the Ninth Legion. I mean, the fact that Roman historians are talking about soldiers dying, they they wouldn't mention that if it was just auxiliaries or second-rate troops. But if it's legionaries, these are citizens dying, and this is a major issue, a major problem. Now, archaeologically speaking, we do know that before Hadrian comes to Britain, that London burns to the ground. And that could be an accidental fire. You know, London's burnt down many times through history. But this seems to be a whole series of burnings, not just one accidental source, lots of deliberate targeting of houses. And there's a fantastic bronze head of their Emperor Hadrian that's been decapitated and thrown into the River Thames. This is what the Britons do to their, their foes. There's lots of good evidence of other statues that are smashed and thrown into rivers at, at times of a revolt. So the suggestion is that London's burning and the north is in revolt and Roman soldiers are dying. But we don't get any massive historical or detailed information about this. But the implication is that it's such a problem that Hadrian comes to Britain and one of his solutions is to build a wall. And that's not just to keep barbarian tribes out of Britain, but it's to keep those south of the wall. You're not going to get any reinforcements. You're now part of the Roman Empire. You have to like it. You have to live with it. There's no escape. So it's a way of of trying to keep the bad influence out, but to contain the rebellion and to say, you're stuck with us now. And Hadrian, when he comes to Britain, he brings a new legion, the 6th, which replaced the 9th York. So I think the context 
of the loss of the ninth, it could be explained by what's going on in Britain in the 120s AD. The trouble is there aren't enough detailed sources to give us that information. So it's possible then the Ninth Legion, if it were lost in Britain, could have been easily been lost south of the wall. It could have been somewhere in England. It could be. I mean, I think it's it's very unlikely. I mean, in Rosemary Suckler's book, and also in the films uh, Centurion and The Eagle, uh, and in the recent Doctor Who episode, The Eaters of Light, the Ninth goes into what is now Scotland and gets destroyed. That makes no strategic sense. You don't send a legion off by itself because it's just going to get wiped out. I mean, the Romans already know that the lands of northern Britannia, they're mountainous, they're difficult. The likelihood of ambush is is strong. So the simple idea is they march north and then get wiped out. That, that would make no sense. No one would give the orders for a legion to do that. But if there's a revolt inside the province, some kind of internal disruption, then the Ninth may well be sent south to London and then be destroyed. I mean, we know... A similar thing happens to the ninth in AD 60. In AD 60, we have the, the Boudican Revolt. Uh, the Ikeni of, of Norfolk rise up and destroy Colchester. And at that point, the Ninth Legion is based at Lincoln. And they head south to try and save Colchester and are too late. And they get wiped out whilst they're on the march, or, or a significant part of them gets destroyed. Later, they get reinforcements and, and the, the Legion gets rebuilt. But it's just possible this happened, I mean, it'd be extremely unlucky if it happened a second time. But I think, yes, the if we're looking for a loss of the ninth in Britain, it, it's it's in that period. And the likelihood is it, they might be lost outside York or they might have been heading down towards London to try and quell a rebellion and to save the city and are then are destroyed. But the thing is about a legion is that often it, you know, we talk about them being five and a half thousand men. They often don't operate as one you get legions being split into two distinct sections. In Latin, we talk about vexillations. So you might have two and a half thousand men doing one thing and another two and a half or another part of the empire. And we know that the ninth is regularly sections of them are being taken elsewhere to parts of the empire. In the in the 80s AD, there's a vexillation of about 2,000 men from the ninth on the Rhine frontier fighting Germanic tribes there. So it's just possible that the ninth, if they were under strength, that that makes them a, a much sort of uh, easier target, a much weaker proposition on the battlefield, and that again could explain the fact that they were they were destroyed by Britons on the march. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Daylight saving time is once again upon us, as is the debate about whether it's truly needed or not. But if you're hiring, it really doesn't matter because even though it may feel as if your day is longer, it won't help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. Once you post your job, ZipRecruiter sends it to 100 plus job sites and then uses smart technology to find people with the skills and experience to match the position. So spring forward with ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers get a quality candidate within the first day. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com extra. That's ZipRecruiter.com extra. And then what about the theories that the Ninth Legion left Britain in one piece, but were then destroyed somewhere else in the empire. What are the most plausible candidates for that? That's a, that's a nice, easy option, really, because it, it gets around all the problems of the ninth being destroyed in Britain, just say they went somewhere else. The problem with that is that, that legions on the march, they always leave a very clear footprint. You get stamped tiles, you get engraved bits of metalwork, you get tombstones. Um, 
So this kind of identification makes it quite easy to be able to track legions and, and units of legions whilst they're on the march. There's absolutely nothing like that. There's no trail from Britain to anywhere else. Now, we know that detachments of the Ninth were in, in Germany in the 80s AD, but the likelihood is that those detachments went back to Britain. That If they were sent eastwards, as some people have suggested, I mean, there's lots of good evidence for Roman troops being wiped out in the various wars in Judea. There's lots of evidence for uh, Roman troops being wiped out fighting the Parthian Empire to the east. But in nowhere in that scenario do we get any tile stamps of the Ninth any inscriptions of the ninth, any tombstones, no indication that they're even there. It's uh, perhaps an easy theory to suggest they went somewhere else and were wiped out, but there's a complete and total absence of evidence to support that theory. So if you're looking for suggestions of what happened to them, I think, you know, given the context of what's going on in Britain, it's a far more grounding for that to suggest they, they were destroyed in Britain than to say they went somewhere else, because then you've got to explain why weren't they making any tiles, why are there no tombstones? Why is there no other kind of record of them marching eastwards? And is there even a mention of a Roman legion or large numbers of Roman troops being wiped out at the right kind of time period that we're talking about? There is quite a lot of evidence for Roman troops being wiped out in the 130s and indeed the 160s. Um, you know, the, the whole of the east, the whole of the eastern Mediterranean is is a trouble spot i mean you you can probably track quite a lot of the wars being fought in that area today back to the roman period because you know they were they were perhaps the start of that those kind of uh, troubles and conflicts but there's no indication that the ninth was part of that some legions are cited but the ninth aren't so it is conceivable they were amongst those troops but you then have to explain why there's no evidence for them there's there's no footprint for them and similarly you know that it takes a long time for a legion to march from Britain to the east. You'd expect forts and pottery and tile and other indicators as they were going down the Rhine and Danube and down eventually towards the east, and we get none of that as well. So it's possible they were wiped out in the east, but you'd have to explain where the evidence has gone, you know, where, where the indicators for those units are. So why do you think that that theory still remains popular with quite a number of people who've researched this topic? I think it's a, there's a number of reasons why that, that still remains popular. I think on the one hand, there's the the going against Rosemary Sutcliffe because uh, there's a strange sort of snooty attitude. To, uh, not everyone, obviously, but they're often, you know, with academia and fiction. Fiction, I think, is brilliant because it, it brings the past alive like nothing else can it really excites people especially at a young age you know you've got that imagination going and the eagle of the night certainly is imaginative and it's exciting uh, and it makes a very interesting read it's quite clearly wrong in a number of points in it but then of course archaeology has developed since the 1950s and we know um, that, that certain things depicted in that book didn't happen in in real life so that, but i think it's this general feeling that's fiction and we as archaeologists and historians should distance ourselves from that kind of fiction. You know, every time a new film comes out, like Gladiator or The Eagle or any other epic movie, you'll get lots of archaeologists, myself included, who enjoy it, but will sit there going, oh, they wouldn't sit on a horse like that, or oh, they wouldn't hold a shield like that, or that costume that person's wearing is anachronistic. You can't help but do that. I think there's, there's certainly a reaction against Rosemary Suckler's book. I think also there's this feeling that for a legion to be destroyed in Britain gives the Britons a kind of uh, military advantage that they probably didn't have. You know, every single battle usually fought against Roman troops in Britain, the Britons lose. 
um, or they are sort of defeated and retreat. So the destruction of an entire legion by the Britons would be an unheard of event. So I think it's also this feeling, well, you know, the, the legions are superior. There's no way they could be defeated in Britain. And it's a lot easier just to say, well, we know that large numbers of troops were dying in the east. Let's just say they went there and that's where they died. But, you know, in the big scheme of things, given Britain such a troublesome province, I don't think there had ever been a time where an emperor would say, I know, let's take a legion out of Britain and send them somewhere else to plug that frontier. You always need at least three legions in Britain to keep the province secure. Given we know London's burning in the 120s, given we know that there are, there are you know, by all accounts, soldiers dying in Britain, there is something mysterious called the, um, the British Expedition that occurs at some point between 117 and 120 AD when 3,000 soldiers are sent to Britain. When, no one explains why this was happening. You know, there's no record to, to give an indication of, of for what reason they were being sent to the island, but it does happen. And that's another indicator, perhaps, that Britain is in uproar at the time and they need, they're just throwing soldiers there, they're sending generals there, and eventually the emperor himself comes there. And it may be that the decision to build Hadrian's Wall, the, the, the single biggest building project that Europe's ever seen, was part in response to the fact that the Ninth had been destroyed. And there's a very good chance that the Brigantes of Yorkshire and Northern Britain would rise again. Therefore, they need to, to know that all chance of freedom's been lost. You know, the wall's there, they're in the empire, that's it. There's no chance they're going to get reinforcements from the north. So I think partly it's the catastrophic losses that have occurred in Britain that makes the emperor think, my only solution is to build a wall and therefore just say, that's it. Everything now south of that wall is Roman and there's no question, there's no chance of revolt and rebellion ever again. Something that you mentioned earlier, um, which I'd be interested to know more about, is the possibility of the Ninth Legion rebelling or going rogue, I guess. I mean, is there any evidence for that and why might that have happened? Uh, Legion's mutinying, it does happen. It's quite rare. Usually a Legion mutinies if it's trying to put its own commander, its own general up as, as emperor. We see that as the Roman Empire goes on, and certainly in the 3rd and 4th centuries AD, you get lots of examples of concentrations of Roman troops, perhaps you've been underpaid and under-resourced and badly treated, thinking... I don't like the guy at the top back in Rome. Uh, it'd be much better if our own general becomes emperor. They say, therefore, they, they mutiny against Rome. They make their own leader uh, emperor, and then they might march down towards Rome and, and try and seize power. So there's that sort of type of mutiny. And again, there's no indication that happened in Britain at that time. It does happen at other times. We've got quite good records for that. But no suggestion that the Ninth were doing. Also, if they just mutinied against their own officers and thought, we have had enough of this, uh, and they kill their own officers and go rogue, that again gets noticed because that's such a rare occurrence. And the ninth would get struck out of all records and it would be dishonoured. And the interesting thing is that in the 140s AD, we still see uh, there's a a consul of Rome who records that he had served as an officer in the ninth legion. So I think had the legion mutinied, it would be very unlikely he would have done that. That part of his career would have been redacted. You know, I didn't serve in the ninth. I had nothing to do with them. But the fact he's still proudly stating that he was in the ninth, I think the the suggestion that they mutinied isn't particularly a, a plausible one. And it might well be that 
If the Ninth were destroyed as only part of a legion, the officers were somewhere else in the empire, weren't part of that destruction, and therefore could still claim they had an honourable past, an honourable career, and, and, and so on, and therefore remembered that later. But I think the context of mutiny, again, it's possible... But given the the striking silence in Rome of of any kind of comment that Roman soldiers were acting against the state, I think sort of suggests that that probably didn't happen. And when actually did the absence of the Ninth Legion become known? Did any Roman writers discuss its disappearance or was it only later historians? I think this is really the major factor in the the mystery is that, you know, if a Roman writer says... um, there was, a, there was a great battle or there was a rebellion and this legion was destroyed and this one was wiped out, there'd be no question. But they're not mentioned in that context. Fronto, who's a Roman historian writing in the 160s, talks about the great losses of soldiers in Britain, but frustratingly he doesn't tell us which legions or which units were, were being destroyed. So there's the suggestion that could have been the ninth, but there, there's absolutely no record of, of that whatsoever. So in the 160s, we get a list of, of military units around the Roman Empire. The ninth's not mentioned. You know, you've got lots of other units there, all, all being noted and their battle honours and their, their placement. The ninth is absent from that. So the key is we know that 107 AD in Britain at York, they're rebuilding the fortress. By the 160s, they've gone. And it's trying to find somewhere in that sort of uh, 50-year window to, to try and find a context for that. And I think Rosemary Suckliff's novel presents the fictional side, the dramatic side, and films like Centurion and the Eagle have, have continued that. But archaeology so far has not given us the answer. It hasn't found a battlefield. And the problem with battles in the ancient world is that they often don't leave... A mark. You think of battles today, there's heavy artillery, there's the destruction of buildings, you get a physical mark in the landscape with, of a battle. In the ancient world, you've got two armies coming together, and there might be slaughter on great sides, but bodies are taken away and buried in pits, weapons are recycled. And often, even if you've got really clear evidence that this field or this area of battle was fought, archaeologically speaking, there's nothing so until someone is lucky enough to find a, a mass grave from the period or perhaps um, sort of evidence of bits of Roman armour concentrated in an area which suggests some kind of, of battle, archaeology isn't really going to help us. So I think it, it's, the, it's the mystery as far as the history goes. It's, it's the absence of the Legion and the stunning absence of any archaeological resources to tell us what happened there, which has created that mystery. And, and so many fictions have been built on that but it becomes one of those elements in popular culture where, you know, pop culture says this happened, they were destroyed in Britain. Archaeology and history just throws their hands up and say, we don't know. And uh, until someone finds those graves, I think we will never know. Now, I appreciate that you said there isn't any hard evidence for where they disappeared. But if, you know, if you were a betting man, where would you expect that mass grave to turn up if it was to turn up somewhere? If I was a betting man, which thankfully I'm not, uh, I would say that the Ninth Legion, or at least part, a significant part of the Ninth Legion, was destroyed somewhere to the south of York. Where they were based there in York, in the land of the Brigantes, they are actually relatively quite isolated. They're the most northerly of all legions in Britain. And we know that the Brigantes are a spectacularly troublesome tribe. Um, we know that it takes a particularly long time for, for order to be established there. So I think you know, they're not destroyed in York. We've got no evidence that the fortress of York was burnt to the ground. It's like the legion leaves the fort and disappears from history. 
I doubt very much they went north. It makes no sense to, to traipse up there. There's no obvious targets. But I think they're moving somewhere else to try and quell a rebellion, and it may well be they were ambushed. Um, it would be nice if there was other evidence. You know, certainly London is being destroyed at this time. It places a, a rebellion or a context of that revolt centrally in the south. But at the moment, there's no other clear-cut evidence of other towns being destroyed at this time. So I think they're heading south, and it's somewhere between York and London, probably closer to York. I think they, they met their unfortunate end. But I, I suspect, you know, they went down fighting. They didn't dishonour themselves uh, other, other than dying um, in that respect that, that later generations could still talk about being in the ninth. Uh, sort of retired officers could still say, I was in the ninth without any kind of dishonour being heaped upon them. And do you think this mystery will ever be solved or will it be, will people be talking about this on podcasts for the next 200 years? I suspect people will be talking this on podcasts and whatever replaces them for forever and ever. I mean, I think the wider world looks on archaeology quite surprised to think, why are people getting so het up about this? But there is a very clear cut sort of group who say they went to the east and were destroyed. There's another that says they were destroyed in Britain. I don't think, unless some startling evidence comes to light uh, in the next sort of 20 or 40 years, I suspect we'll be talking about this forever without any kind of resolution, sadly. Thanks for listening. This podcast was produced by Ben Hewitt, Jack Bateman and Brittany Colley. 